coming to you live from Maui, West Side, Kahana, Lahaina, Honokawai, Napili. Today we're going to talk about selfishness. <clears throat> what is selfishness? Tim, take it away. Selfishness is a word. And that word has a definition. Mm. In the English world, in the English language, I talk about so often English has fucked everything up. It's ruined things. It's English is a complex language, and it's very interesting and fun to study, to be mm. honest. However... It's so complex that it's almost restrictive and specific mm. because it's like, well, this is what selfishness means. And then someone says, well, you know, selfishness could be you're more selfish and he's more selfish than that person. Or my mom's not that selfish, but, you know, she did stop after work, you know, leave the kids in the car for four hours and have a beer. You know, she's worked her whole life. That's selfish. It's, you have this relative idea, mm -hmm. but that's it's restrictive. Selfishness. Everyone has the basic idea and they all cling to that that's an issue i have in our modern society is mm. we have these ideas that's why people get crazy and nuts when they begin to change things now whether i agree with the change or not interesting is that's another example of how we do live in somewhat of a restrictive modern society because for instance Oh, that person's gay. Gay means happy. All right, that's what it means. Mm. It's like, well, no, things do evolve and adapt yeah. and change. So I mean, selfishness... I'm, I'm the gayest person I know, if that's what it means. <laughs> it's like, I'm... I the, make myself gay every day. <laughs> when you said you're the gayest person you know, I thought it, someone in the back would be like, that's right, someone listening just far away. <laughs> He's just like, I'm the gayest person I know, too. I got a cock in my hand, I got a beer in the other, and I'm happy motherfucker. <laughs> I mean, I also like, you know. But <laughs> selfishness. <laughs> <Does it matter? laughs> Words are funny. <laughs> so that's what I, What what is selfishness? You asked me to take it away. Selfishness is self-interest. At its core, I think that maybe we could agree with that, and I think we will explore more about selfishness. Mm. But I think a general kind of coming on the same ground, it's self-interest, mm. right? And I've mentioned this before, and self-interest, my belief, would be self-growth, right? Self-interest, mm. whether it's like, oh, I have self-interest to get a new car, you could go in desires once more words with more definitions. Well, let's just say self-interest is things that you are necessary, things that are desires, and things that are of the Father. Right? That's what self... Those are self-interests. Right? I'm just, those came out the top of my head. Yeah. So, so those are just some basic ideas, yeah. but... Those things, I believe self-interest, oh, this is a better way to say it. I believe self-interest should directly correlate with self-growth. Mm. And I think that's what selfishness is. No, mm. I don't think I believe that's what selfishness mm. truly is. Right? Yeah, and I think Anne Ran, or have you, ever, have you heard listening to the uh, book and anything online? Is it Ayn Rand? I've heard it pronounced Ayn Rand, and so that actually gets into what I wanted to say real quick, is if you want to, you know, pause this episode and do some light reading before... Oh, to, nice. To, to, ...to feel like you're really a part of the conversation, read um, Ayn or Ayn Rand's The Anthem. It's a short book. Or just Google Ayn Rand's, uh, you know, concept on selfishness. And you could also look into Nathaniel Brandon. And, um... Because there's... there's pretty much two distinct views on selfishness. There's the, the group of people that believe to be selfish is um, this kind of demonistic thing where you are sinning, and to be selfless is the holy thing to do. And then there's maybe a very, very, actually quite small, if not even non-existent group of people that believes 
that being selfish is a virtue. And Ayn Rand is kind of arguing this idea that the highest virtue. It's 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 the highest virtue of of man and of any living creature. Um, and so, yeah, the definition of selfishness is um, in the interest of oneself. I love that. And so, you were saying something. Well, before we dive deeper, mm-hmm. delve deeper, plunge mm-hmm. into the depths plunge of selfishness. Like a torpedo deep down into the <laughs> sphincter of the earth. <laughs> like That's an enema releasing the stuck bowels that constipates this earth and relieving it of its toxins and purifying the rivers the once cosmic again. Cosmic turbulence <laughs> of the universal I think you truths mean. of gods <laughs> amongst us I think you trying <laughs> to bring out the best in you and your friends and your family. I think instead of cosmic turbulence, you mean cosmic Turdulence. <laughs> That's the aliens talking. <laughs> Turd fucking turdulence. Um, why do you think? <laughs> why, why would you think before we get into selfish mm. or to to? Gonna preface this idea of selfishness because you know, from knowing me, mm-hmm. from the beginning of this podcast, mm-hmm. that I'm a big. Ayn Rand fan. Yeah. As, as, as long as I've known you, yeah. you've been an Ayn Rand fan. And I'm just I'm just happy that I knew who Ayn Rand was before I met you. Right. And because uh, you weren't well, the you first. You knew more about, you were actually closer to it than I thought with Nathaniel Brandon. Well, but I never read any books. So I wasn't really, uh, I never read about it. it but, but that being said, three years ago, pretty much when I met you, you were talking about Ayn Rand. So this is nothing new. And so, yeah. Why do you believe that this idea of selfishness is the highest virtue? That that is something that I'm like all for. Is it because Mm. I'm action oriented? Is it because, you know, because I know you understand personality types and stuff. Yeah. um, Oh, okay. Okay. And and so Mm. just oddly enough to kind of even to to dive deeper into what selfishness is. Some of the people that listen know us, mm. like Nixon and Matt Marlin, and I think that's everyone that listens. <laughs> <laughs> and then your friend um, and your brother Matt. Uh, and, shout out to Kevin Moran and mm. uh, Matt so Harnoy. They know us. Whoever's listening back at uh, the old King Philip district. So yeah. So why why is it? Do you think that I'm mm. adamant about like when I read that okay. I was like, oh, I have touched on some truth. Yes, I would say, um, well. I would like to preface this by saying the person who I learned about Ayn Rand from and Nathaniel Brandon in the first place also taught me about the Enneagram, the wisdom mm. of the Enneagram. So I this, still have that book, the, by the, the way. books, the, those books came together in my life and they've been profoundly um, influential in a positive way in my life. And so um, knowing what I know about the Enneagram, I, mean, I don't know exactly what your personality is because that's up to you, but I would believe you're either somewhere around a, a type nine or like a type three or something. The type three kind of coming to mind because the, the type three is the achiever. Um, mm. But, and the achiever is, is, a, is a person who is, they seem to be more oriented towards achieving things and building their own persona uh, and like kind of uh, repertoire of achievements and things like that. I don't know if that's you, though, so I'm not going to say. I, I'm just going to say I don't know what personality type you are. But uh, what I know about you is that you t- Tim likes to have fun. He likes to feel good, but he also oh, is a yeah. hard worker. So I, like, oh, you, yeah. you work hard, play hard. But you almost, when you work hard, you're like a pig in shit. You know, you love working hard. Oh, it's yeah. not like you're, like it dirty, it's not like you're like crying and whimpering yourself along. It's like you're fucking stroking it and edging the whole time. Oh yeah. Like, so you are a. I get um, off of work. Yeah, exactly. You you like to work hard. You like to play hard, and um, you think life, in from what I see of you, you 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 truly do believe, or you live this idea that life is supposed to be enjoyable, and I am supposed to enjoy this life, and I'm not going to sit here and and suffer around and and complain about my lot here. I'm going to go and have some fun at the Kava bar, and then I'm going to work hard tomorrow, and I'm going to make 
make something of myself and I'm going to, and that might be a recent thing of your life or that might be something you've always had, but I can see that you have this underlying like uh, self-preservation yeah. and underlying um, self um, uh, soothing, self-satisfaction, self-satisfaction. I just made up a word and that's what it's going to be. That. So it's a uh, word. And I do believe most satisfaction should come from the self. And and in many ways, it's something you have to initiate. And so in that line of thinking, um, and in what I know about the story of your life, where you've gone through hardships and you've gone through troubles and you've gone through moments of your life. black man. Moments of your life. Yeah, moments of your life where you were in, you know, these cycles of... Shithole after shithole, going through bad, uh, bad circumstance after bad circumstance. You know, you're you've you've been searching for answers. You you you're you're a seeker of truth. That's what I've come to know seeker. about you. Seeker, yes, sir. And you'll 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 read the Bible. You'll read any book someone gives you that they tell you has the truth in it. And you'll also the, this is the most I would say profound Tim uh, compliment slash characteristic is that you. You are like an, a chameleon. You could, you could mm. fit yourself into any group of people, and you could um, become one of them and learn from them, and they feel accepted by you, and it's um, and vice versa. You, you make them feel comfortable. My wife said the same thing. Yeah, and, and all, you have this incredible ability of doing that almost effortlessly, it seems. And anybody can do that, but you do it exquisitely well. And... Um, any culture, any race, you just you can fit right in and learn directly from those people what you want to learn, and you 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 do you 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 seem like you want to learn it. And so, with all that said, how would that relate to this idea of selfishness in Anne Rand? Um, well, I think Anne Rand is talking about these virtues of how you can really only know the world through yourself and mm. through your own self interests. Okay. And, um, that's amazing. You actually, you're right on point. It's funny because about you, well, yes, about me, but about the, the connection with Anne Rand, because in her literature, the protagonists and the antagonists, uh, those characters, the protagonist is, is an action oriented, is a mm. self-preservation, but mm. also self is self-serving mm. that self-serving also serves others as one an example and two because you're you're doing something that is great to the highest potential mm. and others are there to benefit from it to be a part of it but you're the one doing it and you're the one that benefits mm. from it at its core but um mm. and her antagonists are those mm. that oh no let's just Easy way, shortcut out. Yes, let's like, do let what me, our brothers are doing. Yeah, let's, yeah. Let's listen to the hive mind and right. Not question. Don't question anything. And I, it, so I, to simplify it even more, I would say, Tim is somebody who, and this is honestly how I believe I am, and how m many of the people I'm friends with are. You're someone who has decided that there's there's suffering in life, and there's there's pleasure, and there's good things and, and, and things that make you feel good and things that don't make you feel good. And there's, there's no reason to suffer for so long. And there's got to be some Amen. truths that set us free. And there's got to be some truths that give us more control over our uh, emotions, more control over how we feel on a daily basis and how um, free we feel on a daily basis. And I, and I know you... That's yeah. You figured that out, and you've you you search for confirmation of that. And and Anne Rand is the book that yeah. confirms it. It resonates with you. It's not like Anne Rand's teaching you something. It's like Anne Rand's putting words to what you've already come to know. Well, that's how you are because you decided no longer am I going to be a slave to this and pain and suffering. Exactly. It's the and same. that's right. That's the highest virtue. That's why we get along Self, so well. Selfishness to, to yourself, mm. right? Your self-interest. And you put oh, that yeah. at the forefront. Mm. And that's the difference when you put yourself at the forefront, your selfishness, mm -hmm. right? That 
is the difference between that and then how we started talking about, oh, it's just he's a selfish bastard and cares only about himself. There's a difference between that school of thought, mm. only, almost with the same words, mm. but with a different uh, perspective in mind, a different ideology, right? It's like, no, I'm going to... Because I know people that are so selfish in the basic understanding that most of the world thinks that don't do anything. They don't do anything. They don't, they're not creative. They're not following the call to adventure. They're not doing anything to better themselves or society. They're just selfish bastards. But then there's the selfishness that if I'm doing something to the best of my ability and to the highest potential and exploring and getting better and better and growing and progressing, it's like that's doing something for me. Mm -hmm. And then that entailed and directly does something for the rest of the world. So let's let's make it uh, break it down or categorize this for the listeners. So you're saying there's two different types of selfishness. Uh, yes. One in which you're progressing towards your highest self and one in which you're just kind of stagnant. Mm -hmm. Now, so for the listeners, uh, uh, Tim and I are going to be advocates for selfishness. Selfishness. Um, but we're going to explore all the different aspects of this. So I would say someone who is... Because selfish, you know, words are interesting. You, you always say this. I, um, Some the people verbiage, are allergic to selfish. You say uh, uh, the verbiage matters. Mm -hmm. And um, words are interesting. And the definition of words change as people use them differently. And I think a lot of people use the word selfish to describe um, people who are evil. Mm. Um, and yes. th what they really mean is evil. And they don't mean selfish. They mean evil. And those are very different. Um so let's say, for example, we have a very greedy um, billionaire, right, yeah. in America. Very greedy. So he's stepping on people. He's harming people to get to where he wants to go to this billions and billions of dollars. Now, the question is, is that man or woman or uh, in between, mm. because it's 2024, even... Uh, any gender can be evil nowadays. Yeah, they're, they're, they have the freedom for that. So let's say this person is greedy and, and they're, you know, stepping on people. Are they selfish, though? And let's look at what it really means to be selfish. So I would argue that if this person is really stepping on people to get money, I would argue that they are not even close to being selfish. And yes. here's why. What is that billionaire, what, is, what are they thinking about most of the time? Are they thinking about themselves and what's best for themselves and uh -uh. how to make themselves happier and to have a more fulfilled, happy, whole, incredible life? No. Or are they just looking at everyone else, all their competitors, all their other fellow kind of um, fellow billionaires and they're trying to one-up them and they're looking at in a competitive way all these other people right and it's this competition that infiltrates their mind most of the time rather than this interest of self and they might go their whole lives and then die in their 70s which billionaires actually live um pr uh, remarkably young they don't really live that long even though they have all the money in the world um die in your 70s like, do you really think this billionaire has really lived a full life and explored all the interests of self? I would say, in this case, for this, with this billionaire, no. And so, no, yeah. maybe he's not selfish. He's actually maybe one of the least selfish people. The one that is selfish, his cup doth overfloweth. That billionaire that you described, this person that we've just kind of come up with, they have everything in the world, yet their cup always needing to be filled. Right. right? The golden calf, right, is in front of them, and, they're, mm. and everyone wants it, and so they want it too. Right. There's, there's nothing actually that's mm. uh, stoking or... Um, con uh, there's a word I read in a Thomas Merton book, I, and it, it, it's perfect for what I want to describe, but without, they're, not, they're not touching... The, they're not, I just, I guess stoke, like you stoke a fire. They're not, they're not doing anything like that's, that's 
you know, moving. They're, the blood's not flowing. You know, the heart's not pumping. They're not doing anything that's reacting. And there's no elect, electric pulsing in their body. They're, that cup is just mm. empty, and they keep trying to. Yeah, so you're right. I, I would agree. They are not truly selfish at all. They're actually... They're, they're they're lost. They're selfless. Like there's no. They're not even referencing themselves. They're, but they're greedy. They're definitely greedy because mm-hmm. they're taking. But but if you think about it, they're not really taking for themselves. They're taking so that in comparison to others, they feel more. But you look at that and you say that well, their life is a life of comparison, not a life of self interest. So their their life is a life of. Well, I have more money than you, and I have more money than my other friends, and I have more money than them, and I, and now I feel good, but, but they, they probably never feel good really because they've never gone deep enough to please the interests of self. Those deeper kind of like, yeah, truths of, I mean, a true, a truly selfish person would 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 find satisfaction without wealth. Maybe would still per, 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 um, uh, pers- wealth. pursue wealth, yeah, or pursue, um, yeah. but would find total satisfaction in the kingdom of heaven right here and now, and self-soothe and self-satisfy in this very moment, rather than try and look out into the outer world too. So could we then say that selfishness, in the Anne Rand perspective, in our perspective as we're speaking, is something then that is satisfactory Mm. and then that's why you keep moving and reaching higher potential so that Mm. just in the same example of the cup overflow versus it doesn't yeah the unsatisfied keep i gotta fill this dark this hole i gotta fill this cup up and then in her books the protagonist is he's just reaching for more almost greedy in the same sense but he is satisfied and then mm. it's not that he's unsatisfied and why he keeps going. He's like, oh, I love that feeling. I love being satisfied. I love the potential and I love the progression so more, mm. so more. They're almost both greedy in that sense. They're both just reaching and reaching. And yet the mm. selfishness person, the selfish person is the one that is satisfied. And then you could even say they're happier. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was thinking about this today when I was listening to um, there's a there's a book called The Virtues of Selfishness by Ayn Rand, which is kind of like a college book. Um, college. I, I don't know if it's a philosophy philosophy book, but um, and then we were also talking about the anthem because Tim gave me the anthem and I just read it uh, mm, the other day. The anthem. And I think my perspective on selfishness, this is how I see it, is that the highest virtue of selfishness is selfish about how you feel Okay. on a day-to-day basis. So not selfish about necessarily how you look to the world, but selfish about how you feel. And I always like to bring it back to... How you look to yourself. No, I always like to bring it back to the wild. And in the anthem, they bring that that is that is how they bring it back to this core principle where the guy goes into the woods and he kills the bird with the stone and he eats the bird and he says it it never tasted better than when he killed it himself. Mm. In that prime primordial selfish beastly state of smashing a living creature in the head with a rock which is totally normal. We would all have to do it if we had to live in the woods. And that's what our ancestors did. We come from this most selfish, ravenous, like the Vikings, dude. Like Savagery. I mean, savagery in a, in a way, but... Savages, savages, um, even you, man. I bring it back to that because I, I was in the Scouts and I'm an Eagle Scout. And when you're out camping, you... And you like, I've done projects where you have to go and try and survive and you build your own shelter. There's this certain like um, fire that you have lit inside of you that's this just selfish self preservation. Like, I'm going to take care of my needs and I'm not going to think of anybody else. And once you're done with that camping trip or that project, 
you go back to the real world and you have this incredible self-confidence and self-motivation and self-direction that the modern world has kind of lost because we're so separated from that natural uh, wild world. And if you even look at mother nature in the wild, it's, it's eat or get eaten. You know, it's, you have to have a selfishness to survive. You have, even if you're a vegan, you have to decide when you eat that plant that your life is more important than that single leaf's life, that, that, that you're, you are choosing you over this plant. You're choosing to end this life in your hands for the continuation of your own. Self-interest. Self-interest. Oh, I love that. It's the wild, man. And that's where we come from. But in the, mod- in the modern world and in, the, in the Anne Rand's books, it talks about communism. It talks because she's she comes from communist Russia. Yeah. She moved to America in her 20s. And this is a this is a kind of a human made concept, whereas capitalism or maybe free market enterprise, or I don't know, libertarianism, or I don't even know what you want to call it. But I think those are close. Yeah. Self-interest based is how the wild is. You survive based off your self-interest. And if you don't have self-interest, you die. And your family dies. Self-preservation. Self-interest, yeah. And so I bring it back to that, and that is undeniable to me. So in, the, in, in that way, Mother Nature yeah, promotes selfishness. Yeah, it's not something... This objectivism is what Ayn Rand's kind of philosophy was coined as... And she talks about selfishness in like that college book, mm. and the highest virtue is selfishness. Highest virtue, is selfishness. That I love how you mentioned that, and it kind of gets my wheels turning. That's not something new. It's just something that she saw, or maybe a reflection from her growing up, and a reflection in in the mirror, mm. looking at herself being made in the image of God, looking at Mother Nature and looking at society and what it's created, she saw it as it was natural. This is a, this is a natural concept, an innate concept, mm. and she just brought it back to life. And that, that, that's, I, yeah, I definitely, so it is the wild. Mm. It's like her book, Subjective, it's the wild, wild west. It's the wild jungle. It's... It is, it is natural. And maybe that's why when everyone's like, well, communism, calm. I like God calm. I like to calm. I like calm. I like isms. I like isms. I like isming all over the place. (laughs) Yeah, it sounds pretty good to me. My wife makes me ism. (laughs) Sounds pretty good. (laughs) Sounds pretty good to me. Just (laughs) communism and I'll just take another muffin, please. (laughs) (laughs) Just put one down my gullet and I'll shut up. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and that's and why And give me some more porn to watch And I'll be quiet As long as my balls are empty and my gut's filled Stepdaughter <laughs> porn <laughs> And that's why there was <laughs> Such a, a pushback With communism How there's a, um, a group of Maybe people. not so much today though No and that's because They're looking at the rest of the world And saying oh okay Sure muffin I'd like free money, please. And then it maybe it seems, but then that's the dirty secret of communism and the the collectivism is they see it and hear about it and they go, that fits me just fine because I don't have to do too much. Mm. But one thing that she mentions in her books with her protagonists is that there. you were saying earlier when... I love how I asked that question about me. This work hard, play hard. There was no, there was, there, there was no lack of hard work in the idea. You know, Hank Reardon in Atlas Shrugged, Howard Roark in The Fountainhead, they worked for it. They put the work in it. But it was it was it didn't feel like work to them, right? Because they it was did it natural. For their own selfish yeah. pleasure, and it, it was coming. It was like overflowing out of their their veins. Yeah, you they know? were like the spiders, and they had to spin the web. Mm. And they just, they're like, I gotta get this web out of me. It's like um, you know how you can 
when you like work out or something, you can feel your pulse. You ever do something and you can hear and feel your heart beating? Mm-hmm. When they were going to their highest purpose and their highest virtue and being selfish, it was like the heart. They were like, it's not even beating hard enough. It's my blood is not flowing fast enough. I need more. Mm-hmm. And it, it, back to that idea, it's like the cup was. They were satisfied, but they're like that feeling, like you say, of how you feel, like they're like that feeling needs to continue. Mm. And and so I must not only just for the feeling and satisfaction, but for the sake of God, of what I've made for. Right. It's almost a divine purpose to be selfish into the highest virtue to just maximize your potential mm. to the clouds, to the sky, mm. to the fucking cheese moon, to the fucking Indian Ocean. Mm. It's, and, it's divine. And the Ayn Rand kind of argument is that when people do that, right, when they're, they're selfish enough to lift them to to feed themselves to 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 oh the wild i love that to yeah, feed right. themselves yeah exactly but that even it just goes back to the, it, it's to kill in, or be it, killed it, exactly in this in this thing i was listening to it was there's there's these basic two choices you have in life to live or to die and when mm-hmm. you go to the wild it's to live to kill something so that you can live to to kill an animal, to kill a, a tree, to kill a, a kale. Uh, by the way, in a lot of your vegans who are out there and farming fucking soy and kale, they kill a lot of fucking animals to prevent them from eating. So you're killing animals too if you're vegan, 100%. A lot of them. Unless you're growing your own food. But you'll probably still have to kill animals. Yep. But anyways, to, to feed yourself, to nourish yourself... And in the caveman days, that was just killing the animal, getting the shelter, getting the water, mating, reproducing, protecting your family. Nowadays, it's getting books, reading, nourishing your mind, expanding your potential, getting capital and resources to, to purchase tools, purchase new books, you know, like growing your own self nature. Um, getting an education, going to college, um, getting so like one uh, example that I love, um, and one of the books I was reading is if a musician does, if a pianist doesn't have a piano to practice on, is that pianist really actualizing his fullest potential for society? And the answer is no. But he should selfishly want a piano to get the money to get the piano. Because if he doesn't have the piano, there's talent untapped. There's development of skills and expression of God that is not occurring. Because God God is the creativity that's trying to go through his fingertips onto those ivory keys. And and so, yeah, to feed yourself. And then the Ayn Rand kind of argument is that in doing that, you, you end up as a side effect, giving to society tremendous bounties, tremendous gifts of, of knowledge, of wisdom, of, of creative arts and such. And you could argue that some of the best artists in the world never created art for anybody but themselves. Mm. So it's like selfishness in the Anoran perspective, is the most selfless thing to do. Because even though it's right. about you, it, as a side effect, gives so much to the world. Right. It gives so much. And it, even at a basic idea mm-hmm. is, if anything, but an example of you, the vessel, and God going through you, of you then being just as much the divine entity mm-hmm. that is that is God, and, and you are whole. Ah, and ran. She fucking knew. She knew. And she was a woman. And she came up with this. That says a lot. <laughs> I was talking with um, Sarah at the coffee bar about this because I definitely was growing up uh, m- the opposite point of view. I, I, I was, I felt like selflessness was the answer. And I grew up in a Roman Catholic 
you know, as they say nowadays, a, um, a recovering Roman Catholic. Um, you know, you grow up in a Roman Catholic <laughs> setting where you're taught that you're a sinner from birth and you're basically this problem from birth and the rest of your life is just trying to fix that and resolve that by giving. And when I really think about it, the only, the only successful Roman Catholics are the ones who are outrageously selfish anyways, but um, I grew up with this kind of attitude and it didn't really serve me. And so I, I can see when other people are thinking this way. And I was talking with Sarah about this. And I said this, and this really, really resonated with her. I said, when you, you selfishly getting what brings you joy, brings you pleasure, brings you happiness, like truly, like not half-assed, like I would call, like, let's say porn, ha that's half-assed pleasure. I'd call Skittles a half-assed pleasure. You're not really accomplishing these, these, these incredible experiences of life. I said, when you selfishly get what you want, you allow others as a result to get what brings them joy as well. Your actions Amen. of selfishness gives to them incredible, pleasing things. And you could even relate that to, to sex. Like, mm. it's, it's in, in, in Fountainhead, Anne Rand kind of mm. uh, illustrates this very well with, with Rourke and Dominique, where... Oh, yeah, she's a fox. Rourke... And we don't have to say specifically what happens, but Rourke is selfishly getting what he wants. And in turn, Dominique gets the most pleasure she's ever experienced in her life, being a, a character that is nonplussed and doesn't really have much passion for life in many ways. And how many things, how many things are we experiencing from a result of someone else's selfish endeavors? I just wanted to point out that when you said, like, you grew up the opposite as the Roman Catholic, because I've rem I, I've heard you say I remember many times when you described your childhood and the pain and the medical stuff you went through mm. that you said something. The tipping was, point? Well, you, well you, there was the tipping point, but before that, it was something of this nature. Well, I guess it's just this pain and I'm going to have to deal with it. And that's selfless. Like, no one is paying attention. No one is believing me. And so I'm just going to live with this pain and suffering. And it was like, that was a prison you lived in, right? Mm. And, and, and you, and let's say, I don't know for sure, but it, it sounds as that as much. And this Roman Catholic and this selfless kind of idea that I believe is wrong. That's not good. That's selfless, but it seemed as if that was a, a genuine, like a pure thing. It's like, yeah, just be selfless. Like, you can do this. Yeah, just take the pain and go about your business. You're going to wake up in his pain, and that's okay. And that is a good thing, and it wasn't. And until you then became selfish, mm -hmm. and then you rose above it. Until I said, well, I'm going to figure this shit out, and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be happy. So could we even branch out to say that whatever the, it takes the selfish I will die if it takes uh, like kind of like that quote that um, Will Smith has when he's on the treadmill and he's like I'll die before I fucking lose to you like mm. I felt like I would die before I didn't figure out like I'll yeah. figure out how to be happy if I, if I have to die to do it but of course yeah I won't die but I I'm willing to you know well, it's, I'm willing to be selfish enough that that's my priority. It's being selfish, as the selfishness as the highest virtue, is the keys to, to your prison, you know? It, to it, unlock the, the door. Yeah, it, it is the hand that opens the gate. It's because, your hand that opens the it opens the. Because you realize that it wasn't locked in the first place. Yeah, right? It's, and it, we've created such a a like unimpenetrable force in yeah. prison mm. that is is not even real mm -hmm. and yet we live in that mm -hmm. and then her characters in the books they 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 you're just like Hank you uh, well that's Atlas Shrugged so we'll say Howard Roark you're just like Howard Roark Sean 
you. I feel like I'm just like equality, whatever, two, five, five, seven. Oh, yeah, one. yeah, yeah. <laughs> when I first read it, I was like, is this guy got five hands and three eyes? Equality, fucking three, nine, six, seven, six. Is this guy Wally? <laughs> yeah. You find out, like, she yeah. actually was writing about, like, AI that inhabited fucking robots, yeah. and it, there were no humans involved at all. But AI was doing the human journey finally. Right. After like, the humans had left. He's like, I got to figure that They seemed like they was having a good time. Whatever yeah. it was when they were bumping each other naked, <laughs> that, that looked good. Damn. They didn't even need no WD-40. <laughs> yeah, no it's like, Logan. my name is e 1 c 3 po If you get the good ones, you don't need no WD-40. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. you. I mean, you unlocked your prison when you de- made that decision. Mm. And so, just like Howard Rourke, you are one and the same, like you said. If I have to die, I will do whatever it takes, even if it is my death that comes upon me, mm. right? And that's what Howard Rourke was about. He was like, right, so what the rest of the world, the architectural community, the socialites, the high society, old friends, different um, reputable companies and firms, they're all like, the fuck are you doing? And he was... Metaphorically speaking, he was going up against his death, his crucifixion, exactly. every time he branched out to then build and do it to the highest virtue of himself and whatever it took. And that's why he kept on and kept on. And Dominique, one of the smartest ones in that book, she was the one that was just neutral and just lost, but not completely lost. She was like she had a. Like a she finger was, on she it. Was look, she was she, looking for that, mm. which she didn't know it was out there until she met Howard, mm-hmm. basically. Yeah. And how weird it was that Howard. How weird. No, the, and, and I found out that the dying isn't a, isn't true death. It's it's the dying to yourself, like we talked about in the last podcast. Mm-hmm. Oh, dude. So you, you're reading The Fountainhead right now. Yeah. Uh, what are you, like 100 pages in or something? Something like, I'm almost halfway through, I think. So we talked about Elsewhere Tui, there's Dominique, there's Peter Keating, there's Howard Rourke. Um, and doesn't Peter Keating have, uh, he have, like, um, there's his mother, and that's a fucking horrendous, toxic relationship right there. But there isn't, does, doesn't Peter have, like, a... A, a wife or a girl that's like social kind, but then there's the the poor girl. It's almost like Peter. Well, Peter Peter loves Dominique. Yeah, but there's the other girl, like the high school girl, like when he was in high school. That that one girl that she was kind of poor, and and she was the the uncool girl. She was like the the low on the totem pole. I think it, it's it. Remember when Howard goes to his house. Uh, after and he was like, you know, what do you think? And he's like, it doesn't matter what I think, Peter. Right. But he he was that that girl wanted to celebrate with him. There was another girl. It was like a girlfriend, and he always keeps her on the sly, keeps her on the edge. But Peter, oh, I thought that was his mom. I don't know. Well, no, there was his mom too, but he never truly um, loved her. Well, you know, he did love her because she almost had this. She was lost herself, but. She was the one that believed in Peter, too. And she was somebody that was on that line of, like, figuring it out. But he would always go to her, like, slum with her. Because he knew that she had this kind of unconditional, like, oh, Peter, I love what you're doing. Like, whatever you want to do, like, I'm here for you. Um, I, they, don't, they mention her a little bit in the beginning. But since you're where you're at right now, it'll come up again. And it's kind of shitty the way he treats the one girl and then he just goes after Dominique. Right? Because Dominique represents the social, kind of that high society, yet she wants nothing to do with it. And then there's this girl that actually loves him that wants everything to do with Peter. That's on the edge of actually maybe figuring things out. Mm. But she's a poor girl, works at like a convenience store kind of thing, just Mm. a register gal. And he, that's actually what he needs. Oh, I'm not sure about that, but that it's something that is better for him. But yet he won't take that leap of faith and plunge in and actually be with her 
because she doesn't represent that society. Back to the idea of he's living his not authentic self. He's living for what everyone else thinks. And that's why he wants Dominique. Not only because she's a fox and, you know, she got that bang and ba-boom, but (laughs) that she, you know, she's she's in that world he wants to be. And, And Howard, well, he gets the fox, right? He gets it just because from being himself, his authentic self, right? And that's what people want. He doesn't only get the fox. She enslaves herself to him. Mm. She, she, because she, she, in the, in the writing, Anne Rand writes it like she realized that day that she lost control, that she, Mm -hmm. she now was not in control. And this man had a power over her she could not even fathom because of his innate selfishness. And Howard Rourke, he's so selfish, he, he's, he's, he turns down the money because he believes in what he's passionate about, how he's designing as an architect, being a, 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 a very unique architect. And he... He's, he's following his bliss, following his passion, not following the money. And because of that, he is this, he has tremendous magnetism. Um, yes. For, uh, f- the that, magnitude that, that, of his magnetism is yeah. insurmountable. And the magnum size of his magnum cock is probably fucking <laughs> huge, too. <laughs> Dominique was like, I want that yet. Yeah. Um. No, the magnetism, and, and that's why she enslaved herself to him. That's in well, because he he really was the arbiter of his destiny. He really was his the own author, god, the author of and his own salvation. The, he was his own god, and he 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 did what felt best to him. And everyone else was looking at him like, oh, oh, how could you do that when the logical. Be reasonable, Howard. They would always say. Oh yeah, be reasonable. Be reasonable. Can't, you know, you could, you could, you really have to do what these other clients want you to do, not what you want to do. And Howard, um, he sacrificed everything to do what he felt um, pleased him. And in that sense, he was creator of his own world. And. Maybe even in a real way, he was a powerful entity. And there's something going on even beyond the physical that you can't really feel unless maybe we talk about love and you talk about attraction of uh, two humans, lovers. That, oh man. Did you? Because what do people, like, think about it. What is the thing that even the billionaires will pay shit tons of money to get pussy in the most ridiculous illegal ways pussy but not pussy they what they want <clears throat> what they want is what the common man the common man who is selfish and who can live their lives authentically the common man we, you can get is love true love really over and over again true love relationship after relationship i mean who, who here is listening that has had multiple relationships where you felt like really in love like do you realize that's what billionaires sometimes can't even get but isn't that isn't that one of the highest like some people even think that love is the is the highest meaning of life having that experience being in love romantically intellectually emotionally physically with someone having that connection I mean, there's, you could argue. People that say God is love. You, you could argue that there's, yeah, exactly. There's no greater experience in life. Two, two people coming together in that kind of union. Oh man! Oh, you got to finish the Fountainhead, and you got to read. <laughs> you got to read Atlas Shrugged after that. And then I will say for even our listeners, if you've never read Anoran, give it a shot. And I'm completely okay if you don't like it. But if you don't like it, don't listen to what we got to talk about because you're ridiculous. Ridiculous. That's Asian for ridiculous. They've already unsubscribed. They've already unsubscribed. But there's another book she did, and it's one of her first books. It's called We the Living. 
Mm. That one right there, dude. Because it is actually uh, set in the kind of uh, Stalin-Lenin time period. Okay. And during things like the gulag that's going on. So it's in, like, Soviet Russia. The ending is fucking tremendous. It's sad. It's exciting. It's invigorating. It, it's And it's simple, actually. It's not... It's but and so to the listeners, there there are people out there. I wanted to mention. So remember, Howard turned down the money. Even he turned down the money. And remember how the first example you used was like, let's take a billionaire that has all this money. Is he really being selfish? And we're like, oh no. But that's what's great. Then Howard Rourke is a great example of. The billionaire at heart, the billionaire in spirit and mind is willing to turn down the money and willing to die, right, for love. Oh, dude, the, it's, the, oh, fuck. I wish there was a word for this. We've got to invent a word for this. Mm. The billionaire for love, like, if you were to put in monetary value, the value the for money, cash money, for falling in love, true love, having that, mm-hmm. that deep, passionate relationship, or falling in love with the craft that you're doing with your work, with life itself. Dude, that's fucking trillions of dollars. Yeah, it's, it's more than that. It's priceless. Priceless. Unless you have a Discover card. Well, well. that's true. Sponsored by Discover. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, Discover census. Like, Discover.com slash give us money. What if there's like a Discover nerd that like he's just like always getting shit on at work, but he's like a genius and helps them everything. And then he hears this one day and he's just like, oh, my gosh. He's like, he like just embezzles money from the company and sends it to us. He's like, you guys help me. He goes in and stabs the fucking CEO. <laughs> he, beca- he was like, he becomes a Howard Roark. He becomes a tragic hero. <laughs> yeah. in it's in the New York Times. It's like some maniacal fucking self imposed you know, uh, insane asylum here in 2024. And then us, we read it and we're like, he knew. He knew it was up. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Ayn Rand. Thank you, Ayn Rand. But yeah, you, you were saying he, the, 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 the truly selfish. Oh, dude. Is, is, is not greedy for money. Well, that in it, Peter Peter Keening, what was he after? He he wanted to, he he was always looking to other people to answer his big questions. What should I do, Mother? What should I do, Howard? What should I do? What do you think I should do? What do you think is right? And then what was he always after? Fame and money. Mm-hmm. And he was after fame and money because his happiness was in the hands of the people, in the hands of others. And how they looked at him and how he got praise from them. So the people who, <laughs> dude, the people who want the most fame in the world, who want the most money, are the people that are the most enslaved by others. Right. Because they feel that their happiness is dependent on what the world thinks of them. All right, everybody, we're going to end part one there. And you could tune in next week for part two, Unselfishness and Ayn Rand. <laughs>